Welcome to The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. Here we discuss all things curriculum, plus leadership issues, teaching tips and much, much more. Welcome to the podcast, Vicky. Thank you ever so much for inviting us to your school. It's been really interesting. We just had a look around, but I wonder if you could tell the listeners a bit about your role, actually, and the school that we're in now, which is Queen Emma's Primary. Good morning. Um, so my name is Vicky Musson. I am the Director of Education for the Mill Academy Trust. Um, we're in Queen Emma's Primary School. We've got this school, the Henry Box School, which is a secondary with 1,200 children, and then Finstock Church of England Primary School, which has 59 children. Yeah, and we're in the Cotswolds area, which kind of brings up some connotations for people. But, you know, what's it actually like around here? What's your demographic like? So we, I would say this school is not a typical Whitney um, primary school. Mm. We've got a, a real inclusive approach because we have 22% of our children on the pupil premium register, 15% of free school meals, 18% on our SEND register and 15% are English with additional language. Yeah. So we are not necessarily what people may presume uh, we have as our intake in this area. Yeah, but taken that and brought in so many different initiatives that are really working in the schools. Uh, I know you took on Cornerstones. When was it that you it, started? October 16, Cornerstones was introduced. Okay, and had you had any experience before of Cornerstones? No, not, not at all. So Queen Emma's Primary School has been requires improvement or, or worse for over 10 years. Um, their last good judgment was in 2008. Right. So the school was uh, deemed as the weakest school within the town. Uh, there are 14 primary schools in the town. It, it, you know, we're a big town mm. and two large secondary schools. So cool. with that came the reputation with being the poorest school. We were undersubscribed. Any children that needed a fresh start from any other local schools came through our door. Mm which meant that in October, well, the, the academic year of 16-17, we had nearly 30% of children on the SEN register. So that was a huge undertaking of, of getting support and additional funding and training for staff mm. um, to meet those children's needs. I feel now that, although at that time we were the victims of our failings, we're now the victims of our success because we are incredibly inclusive and we're really proud that we do things differently and parents choose our school if their children have got quite severe learning needs and want them to remain in mainstream schools. Mm. And what was your um, teacher retention like back then? Well, if you want some bedtime reading, the offset report from January 2015 does state the, the turbulence within the staffing mm. which contributed to their requires improvement mm. judgment. We have kept hold of all our staff that were there. We've had a staff turnover this year, but nothing that we're concerned about it was people that were NQTs back then they've done their three years they want a new challenge mm. that's often the case after their third year of being somewhere and they've moved on but we're fully staffed you know we've got some more staff that are experienced and, and some NQTs again yes yeah, so you've got a really good mix of people here I've just been around the school with you Vicky and what I noticed was how calm how engaged all the children were and the staff very welcoming and just a lovely atmosphere in the school in terms of Cornerstones then, how have you decided to adopt and adapt Cornerstones to suit the children here? Because obviously it's very diverse and you've got the different needs. How have you made it work? So obviously Cornerstones curriculum is only part of our curriculum. Mm. We 
made a huge conscious effort to improve children's reading ability back in 1617. We introduced Cornerstones when it was in the box back in those days and there were some fantastic lessons that were being planned and prepared for but a lot of them were falling a little bit flat and the teachers were getting frustrated. They couldn't understand why these children weren't engaging with these wonderful resources that we'd got and these ideas. And it was basically because children couldn't read. There were mm. only four children that could read as well as they should be able to after they were assessed by the Read That's Writing. Four. four. So for the listeners who are listening and couldn't quite imagine that, it's four out of the whole school. 240 children at the time, yeah. Four children up wow. in the up key stage two could mm. read accurately and fluently which connected to our 50% passing phonics screen and check in 2015, 67% in 2016. Going further back and pre-phonics screen and check, you could understand then those children hadn't been taught how to read and therefore weren't being able to read the resources and mm. engage in them and know the vocabulary. Mm. So we put lots of change in place and we, we are now a read-writing school. Uh, we homogenise our children so they are grouped by their current attainment and their gaps. And that was introduced in January 2017 and we got 98% for our phonics screening check. Congratulations and it just proves that that approach has worked. And I was talking to Ofsted recently about the new EIF and how it is welcome actually the focus they have on reading because without reading you cannot access the broad curriculum and you've seen it for yourself in the school with these children. So I did notice all the teachers doing the homogenised reading. So if anyone listening wants to find out about that, maybe you do that already, but you can find out through the website. Yeah, so in terms of um, your role as a Director of Education, you obviously oversee the way that the provision and the children's wellbeing, all of it really, don't you? The things in place like read writing and cornerstones, what impact has that had on you as a director? I think for me and in my role, I have been able to ensure that we've had stability and consistency. I think those two things are vital for school improvement. The staff wellbeing, we're all in a recruitment and retention crisis. I think we're, we're hit really hard in this area because it's really expensive to live. Um, the cost of living is the same as in London, but we don't get no. any additional pay for, for working here. So. We have got to be mindful that we've got to look after our teachers because mm. uh, they're the most important people here. If we don't look after our teachers, they won't be able to look after our children. So in terms of reducing their cognitive overload by giving them handbooks for read writing, we use Inspire Maths as well that was also with uh, teacher guides, mm. we are then able to ensure that their well-being is good so that they can interact with the children successfully. In my eyes, every interaction is an intervention. So if teachers have got the energy to be responsive to those children's interactions and feedback, then they're successful in the classroom. We're not having staff spending six hours a week searching for resources online because it's there and it's now on the maestro. So everybody has that login and I spend far too much time on there. You get a special badge for us. <laughs> yeah, do we clock hours? Yeah. <laughs> so it's good to look and play on it, isn't it? And uh, yes. see what you can do. In fact, you've done more than that though, haven't you, Vicky? Yes, I have. I have I've been a little bit obsessive about <laughs> it. And we have an inset day coming up on the 25th that mm. both primary schools are going to join together. And, okay. Uh, I'm very excitedly planning yeah. my maestro launch for that morning. And the learning support assistants, the knowledge organisers for all staff, but you know, particularly in support assistants that haven't had any training in subject knowledge, 
we're expecting them to support those children in their learning yeah. and they need to know that knowledge as well. So that's really handy document to hand to them before they're teaching so that they have got that knowledge and they know how to spell um, bioluminescence, which was uh, being spoken about and written yesterday in our year three, mm. four team. So there's so many benefits to using Cornerstones. And for me, the afternoon, back in 2016-17, it was almost like people got to the afternoon lessons, they took a deep breath and they held it until three o'clock. And if they survived, that was great. It wasn't structured. There wasn't any clear progression in learning. It was just activities to keep children entertained. But now we've raised the importance and the priority of, of those foundation subjects and planning so that children are building on prior knowledge. So um, just leading on for that then, Vicky, you said that the teachers having things like the knowledge organisers and all the resources helps their subject knowledge, which I think has been identified across primary as being an issue, actually, is teacher subject knowledge. How do you teach the subject disciplines at, at uh, Queen Emma's and the other schools? So we're really fortunate because we are a small homegrown trust. We um, have our staff from Henry Box School come and visit our primary That's schools. the secondary. Yeah, yeah, so the secondary school teacher. So at the moment, Queen Emma's is fortunate enough to have two art teachers, a music teacher, a computing teacher, a German teacher and a drama teacher come in on a weekly basis yeah. to work across the key stages. And we're ensuring that they are connected to the KRPs or IRPs that are being taught. So, for example, the computing teacher next term will be working with our Key Stage 1 children because they are doing the new KRP, Bright Lights Big City, which has a real heavy focus on geography and computing. And our art teachers, for example, are going to be working in Year 5-6 for the Hollow Mexico project because that's heavily art and the music teacher as well. So they, they have Cornerstones Maestro logins as well, so they're, they're equally as excited. They may be our only secondary. They are, yes. They, they've been given them this week so they can see the progression. So mm. in consultation with the school leaders, they are either teaching directly from the ILP or KLP or they're identifying gaps within our intended progression, yeah. which you can access on the Maestro, one of my favourite elements of it. <laughs> and they're teaching and closing the gaps. Mm. That's brilliant. And for primaries who don't have access to that, the idea of the KRPs is that there is a lot of knowledge in there anyway. So if you have a look at it on Maestro, you know, you've got enough there to give you a good sense of the knowledge the children need to learn. But obviously that's the icing on the cake. Is having yeah, and a, having a the staff in expert. with the, the Henry Box teachers means that then they've got professional development mm, as well. Mm. But that's nice in this school as well, because as you said at the beginning, with the diverse needs here, you're providing something really good for the children who may or may not have this kind of advantage at home or at, you know outside the school so it's giving them more access isn't it yeah to definitely and um, opening the curriculum to them yeah and you know we always start with our curriculum in 10 across all three schools it's a Mary Myatt mm. um, phrase our curriculum is an explicit and deliberate guarantor of equality so mm. whatever we do is to ensure that we are securing equity Yes. And equality. Yeah, and thinking more about that inclusion, has the curriculum itself and the, the projects that you have chosen, have you seen an impact on the children's, not just their engagement, but also their knowledge, their understanding, anecdotally or even with evidence? Definitely. Attendance has improved. That's um, great. Across yeah. the time that I've been working with this school. And I think, you know, our the behaviour and attitude has most definitely improved we are a, a pivotal school, um, we have a behaviour blueprint, 
but the children are engaged in their learning and as well because their reading has improved they can access so it all ties and I don't think there's one thing that we can say that has been the silver bullet but it's a combination of all the um, strategies that we've put in place the children definitely have more knowledge and are very very confident and vocabulary has played a huge part in that and the word mats and the resources that we can access we will place on our websites or hand out especially our children with uh, English as an additional language they don't just get the parent care information they get the word mats they get the glossaries so they can go home and yeah. they can engage with their parents in the, in the new vocabulary that they go into experience so that's prior to that project starting but for example yesterday I was walking around looking in our literacy lessons and there were children very confidently writing about animals that live in the sea. So they're doing the Blue Abyss project. And I was really surprised at their confidence of where these animals live. They live in shallow water. The language that they were using was just really impressive. So yeah, most definitely the knowledge has increased. And that obviously, like you said, is, is completely because they've had that focus on reading. And you do that every single day, don't you? Could you Tell us a little bit, because I was so taken with the routine here. Every school does things differently. So we do do things differently here. We call it the Queen Emma's Way. Every class in the school has the same timetable. Yeah. So they start the morning at 8.40. We may do some retrieval practice. We may do some gap closing. Um, but there's always a relentless routine in place, so the children know exactly what they're doing every day. And then at 9 o'clock, the children move to their read-writing groups. So they walk themselves to their group and they have either a phonics session, a fresh start session or a literacy and language session. And they're in homogenised groups across the whole school. Then they have their break. Then they return to their maths groups, which again is homogenised just but in key stages, not across um, key stages. And then at quarter past 11, they will start their project work. Mm. Um, so they could possibly do a writing session or they may do a science experiment where they then follow up with a writing. You've just seen as we walked around somebody making sherbet because they're working on instructions. Mm -hmm. So it's flexible uh, within quite tight timing so that we make sure the curriculum is really broad and balanced and we don't go off and do something different. There's always got to be a clear rationale behind what we're yeah. doing. Going back to the reading, it, it ensures that that reading is absolutely paramount, isn't it? Because it, you cannot access all these wonderful projects and other learning without it. The atmosphere within the school, you, you felt it, you've, yeah, you've seen yeah. it. Everybody's calm, everybody knows where they should be, mm. what they should be doing, the, the standard of expectation. Um, it feels a good school it and... felt good but not regimented in yeah. case anyone is wondering you know thinking well I don't I don't want it too strict too routine it did not feel like that at all there were lots of smiling faces the teachers looked very calm and happy <laughs> you know it just seemed like everyone knows what they're doing yeah and, and I think it's it's around communication and clarity around expectation drum banging you know you, you can't just say a thing once and expect it to happen mm. you need to reassure everybody and remind everybody and, and share the rationale behind why we're doing what we're doing uh, which I know that that's something I've reflected on as a leader I worked very quickly I turned this school around very quickly and I know that I was really clear on the rationale but there was times when I'd not you know been really clear to everybody else because I was working so fast so I know that's something that I'm being more conscious about um, and I'm looking forward to the inset day we have on the 25th to ex explain and, and share the rationale behind the curriculum that we've got now. That sounds great, Vicky. And 
What about the teachers? You mentioned teacher wellbeing. How has having cornerstones in place, as well as the other strategies that you use and other schemes, how has that helped with your teacher wellbeing at school? I think it's a testament to uh, our approach to looking after staff's wellbeing is that we've not had anybody absent from work so far and we're in week six. We don't have a marking policy, we have a feedback policy instead. Uh, we encourage live marking, you know, feedback is the the biggest impact on progress so we, mm. we try and do it in the moment. We go by the phrase of feedback should be a medical, not a post-mortem. So if any teachers uh, seen walking out of the school with a set of books, obviously of course GBPR, we don't want to breach that, but we also stop them taking them and, and, and we have a book look and then we plan the lesson together so written comments aren't something that we expect to be seen in the books and we ensure that the sharing and collaboration I think is key because we try and have the same um, cycle for Queen Emma's and Finstock so even the Finstock teachers that feel very isolated in the middle of nowhere and have got 26 children sometimes reception one two three Mm. Uh, depending on numbers in, in the school, they can join in with a cycle of planning with our staff at Queen Emma's Primary School. Oh, so they teach the same course yes. projects then? Yeah, right. so they only do two at the, they do two because we split off into a Key Stage 2 and a Key Stage 1 class, yeah. but we ensure that they are, are working on the same projects so that they've got that sharing ability of, of resources and they share the memorable experiences as well. Oh, right. So Finstock joined us for our Rio de Vida um, memorable experience and the Key Stage 2 children and the Year five sixes here went to Legoland for their screen machine memorable experience. That's great. Yeah, in terms of staff planning time and being able to get together. Yesterday I was in Shipston on Stour and they were talking about their curriculum team, so they have a humanities team and so on. And it's all about collaboration and sharing the load at the beginning. So we just mentioned planning there with teachers. Obviously you've been one of the pioneer schools for Curriculum Maestro. What did you first think of it? Um, I was incredibly excited. I don't think I was expecting um, what it looks like now. I didn't realise the functions were going to develop and be as advanced as they, they are. I think nothing will beat the curriculum maestro. It When I've shown it to other people, I've shared it with Professor John West Burnham, the chair of our board of the Mill Academy Trust, and he was super impressed with it and spoke about how it standardises and raises the expectation and creates that consistency across schools and he likened it to other countries that he's worked in that have got really good education systems and I think I, I can't understand why anybody wouldn't use Cornerstones Maestro because it saves so much time I know there's huge debates happening on Twitter at the moment around subject leaders and, and small primary schools being concerned that they're asking their teachers to take on more than one subject. We don't have subject leaders at either of our schools because it's all on the curriculum maestro. But we do have assistant school leaders that oversee key stages. And our intention is that we are not going to have a geography folder or a history folder or a history subject leader. We're going to have a cohort folder or box file or box. This is something that we're going to introduce and, and it will evolve so that the, the knowledge organisers, um, some examples of work, uh, will go in there and that will then travel through the school with that cohort so that if I was a year three teacher, I will get the box file or folder or combination of all three. I will open it up before I then plan my project work and if I'm teaching something around sea creatures or the sea, I will be able to go back and look what they've 
learnt or what knowledge they should already have um, so that I can add to that schema and, and not repeat. And because on Maestro you'll be able to have live coverage and you'll be able to track children's journeys yep. through subjects over time as well so that will give you a, such a strong picture of the children's knowledge and skills develop as they go through yeah, school. Yeah, and we're, we're all reading the, the comments that are being shared from um, staff that have been through an office of inspection already on the new framework and the fear of, you know, all your teachers need to know what went before, what's coming after. And the Maestro enables people just to log on and see that. Mm. So I'm really excited. I'm quite looking forward to Ofsted coming back in. Well, you don't hear that a lot. <laughs> but yeah, but you're in such a strong position. You've worked extremely hard here to put the things in place that are right for your children and uh, looking at the needs they've got and then giving them a, a massive leg up then into being able to access a broad and balanced curriculum. And then beyond that, to go into greater depth into subjects. It sounds like you've got a really clear plan as a leader have you got a favorite feature of maestro it changes because there's always updates um, <laughs> which i get excited about um, but i think design and delivering and managing the curriculum i can see the lesson builder for our staff will be incredible so that i can i can see that there's been thought put in it's not just a case of what well, i'm going to do this part of the ilp now that's going to be really useful. The curriculum intent function for me, I've already got mine ready. Um, I'm going to discuss it with other leaders and our local committee. That's really important, I think, to then be able to communicate and share it, whether it's a PDF or a link onto your website. And then the intended progression is something else that I, I find fascinating so that you can see if there are any gaps, especially working with um, secondary school teachers, they can see as well, and they can work in uh, collaboration with our team to say, actually, well, if we did this, actually that would meet that gap there. Mm. Um, and, and design your own projects. So we've already put the daily mile in because that meets some of the gaps that we may have. So yeah, it's really exciting. That's fantastic that you're already, and you've populated it already with all your projects. Yes. <laughs> I think I'd be the same if I was teaching. I'd, I'd want it all on there now. And different schools are doing it in different ways. Some will take uh, their time and create their curriculum. But the thing is, once it's there, and as a head, you can have a really strong overview of your curriculum. What about the teachers or the other SLT that you work with? Um, have they got any aspects that are working well for them? Yeah, so I worked last Friday with the school leaders and showed them some of the functions that were on there. Mm. So they were, they're equally as excited about it as, as I am now. Um, and I think that they're, they're really interested in the lesson builder. We've had those discussions in our meetings in the past. Intended coverage doesn't necessarily mean actual coverage. So making sure that there's some consistency across the key stage. And the flexibility, so the computing teacher, we have, we have mixed classes, so we have uh, mixed year one twos. Uh, our computing teacher, when he comes in on a Tuesday after half term, will now just have year ones separate to year twos so that we can really clearly show that progression um, and give them a different diet within the curriculum as well. So it enables us to do that when we look at the intended progression and the programmes of study. Mm. And because um, we're, we're going to have the actual progression as well, so that will give you a really clear view as a leader, but also for teachers to actually see what is definitely being taught because yeah. we know what it's like in schools you don't always get to teach everything sounds like you made a, a fantastic start on that Vicky and do keep us posted 
about how you're getting on with your curriculum development. What's your next step? I know you said you were looking forward to Ofsted coming in. Yeah, is well, that how you're feeling? You're feeling very confident. Yeah, we had Ofsted last year in September in the first full week. Um, we had our Section 5 inspection and moved our school to good, finally. So, Congratulations. Um, thank you. And, and it was a testament to everybody's work here. That's such a great team. And we have worked incredibly hard, but we've worked hard on the right things for our context. Um, I'm not saying that what we do here is the right way for everybody. Um, I love a good debate. Um, some people might really um, disagree with the way we do things here. That's fine. That's entirely up to them, but it works for us. So I think the new framework is the first framework in my career where I actually feel confident to mention the word offset now because I believe in the framework. Before we banned the word offset, we didn't do anything for offset. And we're still going to continue with that, but actually this framework um, is something I now agree with because we will be judged on what I feel is important in education. The, the quality yeah. of education. Yeah. So all the very best, Vicky. Thank I you. think um, it's, it's a lovely school and it's a real testament to your leadership and also the dedication of your staff. Thank you ever so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you.